All right. So this is office hours. Uh, we're here again, just shooting the breeze. And the whole heart behind this is um, to let you guys just have a, a space to listen to um, people who are in the field talk about therapy. So I have my friend Katie here today. And Katie, why don't you give a brief introduction and then we'll jump into um, some really interesting topics. Sure. I'm glad to be here. It's kind of exciting first podcast. Um, my name is Katie Goody, and I work at the Joshua Center um, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, which is a counseling center um, started by Ryan Reyna, um, who Jordan also knows, and is who is now an EFT trainer. And so he's kind of the EFT guru. So I've been under Ryan for a while now, so also am loving EFT, and I've been to a lot of EFT trainings. So that's the model I practice with. Um, and I've been doing it for about six six years now. Um, wow. Yeah, which is yes. kind of crazy. I'm I'm 31, so I guess. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's oh, me. I remember what I wanted to ask you. So before yeah. we were doing the mic check and make sure that the connection was good. Um, <laughs> this is a bad question. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> good way to start. Scrap it. Um, but I wanted to ask. How do you feel like it's, I don't even know the words. Um, okay, I'll say it this way. So this is going to be roundabout, but I don't know the words to say this. When I first started out doing therapy, I felt as though I was not being effective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did my Ericksonian training, which helped a lot. And then I did the EFT training, which made everything else make sense. Um, And part of what I learned from my Ericksonian training was the idea of utilization, right? Which is going with the client and using whatever the client brings you to take them to the next level. Um, And I think that largely because of that and then because of the EFT training, which really cements in this, this truth that people do the best they can with what they have and that there are ways that responding are short-term survival solutions, right? I find myself now being usually pretty comfortable with almost any of my clients um, and only sometimes being frustrated, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that everything is magic. I'm not, you know, saying that, but I just don't get as flustered because it, it, it makes sense to me where, where they are. So, but as someone who's well beyond my skill level at EFT, right, and has a deeper understanding of the model, um, and has been practicing for six years now, which is a long time, um, how do you feel about your own effectiveness? Like, do you feel like, man, half the time things are still falling apart, or do you feel like, you know, no, usually I know where I'm going or like. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think I have like two parts of my answer. So I think one, the first piece for me is um, just getting used to being a therapist and the process of therapy. Um, I think now it's, you know, six years in, I'm more comfortable with the ambiguity. I'm more comfortable with, the, the, the long process that it is sometimes for clients and, and it's not quite as scary um, when you experience some reps with people. Um, I don't feel 
quite as much of a faker, but sometimes I still feel like a faker, which is so funny, but it's true. Like even six or seven years in, I think sometimes we feel like frauds when we're sitting in front of people, but I feel less like that now. So there's like that piece of comfortability that I think has helped, but I think EFT really has helped with that a lot. Like I feel like I'm coming in with tools to use that I I kind of have such a clear lens of why people do what they do and and how to make sense of their behavior that I don't feel um, off kilter that often with people. Like I just think it gives you kind of a pretty clear view of, you know, dysfunction and then also like what is kind of the antidote for, for that dysfunction. Um, So, so I think EFT has helped me feel more grounded in those ways. So it's helped you feel more more grounded, which is which is great. I think that's half the battle, if not yes. half of the battle. Yes. Um, what about just in terms of like effectiveness? Like how have you if, mm-hmm. if you had to rate how many of your clients, you know, leave much better off? Mm-hmm. You know, what yeah. percentage of your clients would you say when they when they finish their their yeah that's a good question I, I feel like I mean effectiveness wise I think it it really is helpful and effective um I think it kind of goes back though to how like you theorize change for people so I feel like in terms of like have we addressed all the issues they could ever address <laughs> you know I don't I don't know that that ever happens but I feel like the the presenting issue that they came in with like it's pretty effective at moving them along and being able to be clearer and more organized about their emotional world and feeling a, a more sense of connection with people and with themselves so I do I mean in that way I feel like it's effective yeah yeah so it sounds like you feel like the model is pretty effective in like um helping people to connect for sure. Yeah. With themselves, with God, with others. I feel like it kind of just opens up doors of connection for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And most of your clients have that sort of experience. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like most of them do. Yeah. More clarity on their emotional world, um, you know, movement and far as far as their connection with themselves or others. I think that starts with just, you know, getting that connection with your therapist, kind of that first attachment figure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's very true. And I I think what you're, what you're bumping up against is something that I've also noticed, even though I feel kind of weird putting myself on the same level as you. Um, I don't know why I feel weird putting myself on your level, Jordan. <laughs> you have six years of experience. Oh, that's why. Um, this I feel like just for those of you listening, it's like even as a six-year therapist, sometimes you still feel like you're not gonna write. So don't yeah. don't feel bad if you feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think that I've definitely come to see therapy as. growth process and I think people are always growing and so I don't know where that ends so so Mm -hmm. talking about outcomes can really be difficult yes and at the same time I also so like I think that's why I don't get so disheartened is I think well today they took two steps forward okay Mm -hmm. tomorrow maybe maybe they'll they'll take three yes you know what I mean and like maybe in a year they'll come back and take three more and okay like right but I do think that there's a level of which like People can, people can have deep change. I don't know. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think it's a both and as you talk about it. Like, do you address everything in, you know, one 
go round of therapy? Like, no, that's not life. But can you really get some deep change with EFT? Like, yeah, I think so. Because I think, I don't know, I think the growth process is kind of circular anyways. Like, I think you kind of come back around and readdress something in a deeper way at different periods in your life, depending on your circumstances. Hmm. The growth process is circular. Now you start to sound like Whitaker and all those experiential things. <laughs> yes. And I'm so much on the same level as Whitaker. Or Buzz, <laughs> me and Whitaker. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, maybe not Whitaker, but maybe more like uh, Virginia Satir. Maybe. Yes, <laughs> me and Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Hmm. Do you notice that in your work too, though, that it kind of people come around to some of the same blocks or the same things just in different depths? I've noticed that with, so, no, I don't know. That's a hard question. I have noticed that with friends because a bunch of my friends, when I was going through my initial training, were going through therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was weird because I, I mean, so that's the best long-term experience I've, I've had. And it, to me, it is circular or not yeah. circular. Uh, I heard a quote once that Mark Twain said. He said, history doesn't repeat, but it does echo. Yeah, that's a good way it to say rhyme. it. It does rhyme. Yeah. Um, and that I have noticed that people, like, they, they do well, they get better. And then some form of something that really seems like the same thing or connected to this other thing happens. And then they, you know, go forward. and. Yeah. I feel like you kind of revisit it, but at different levels sometimes. Yeah. 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 Makes you wonder. Yeah. And that's kind of what I found in my own healing process too. So I guess that's more experientially speaking than maybe with clients sometimes, but. Yeah. Uh, I think that's true. I think that is true. I heard um, the other day that like, so this is going to sound really technical, but like say that you were having a kid, right? And um, you are starving in the last trimester, trimester of your, of your pregnancy. The kid's body will recognize that and will adjust, right? Mm-hmm. And so in order to take care of your own body's needs, the kid's body will naturally for the rest of the kid's life begin to hoard calories, mm-hmm. right? Which then, when that kid goes on to have a kid, say that you have a daughter, she will hoard, hoard calories and her child then will grow up, well, will, will develop, right, uh, lacking calories. So just because of the stress that one person goes through, two generations are going to be affected. Mm-hmm. And as you're talking about that, I mean... I feel like, man, like I just wonder what other stuff we're carrying around that we don't necessarily know about, you know, because mm-hmm. like that granddaughter has no idea that grandma was starved. And, you know, and yes. You know oh, my gosh. Yeah. That makes me nervous all the time. I don't have kids yet. So, <laughs> but it, I mean, it does our bodies too. like physically, they remember things, they remember trauma, like it, and it's so connected, like generationally. I mean, yeah, there's. <laughs> I, that's when I have to remind myself that like 
it's about the repair and it's about redemption, you know, because I can start to get like nervous about, Oh, don't do anything wrong. You're going to affect your kids for five generations after that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a fight with with my wife and I was just like, I know my baby's being flooded with cortisol right now. I know. Is she, (laughs) is she pregnant? Yeah. I didn't tell you. Oh, congrats. Congrats. Yeah. All right. So here's my boy, Ryan Hicks. That's very cool. Um, I also wanted to ask you about how the usefulness of EFT with people who, so I'll put it this way. I'm working with, um, I'm working with homeless youth, right? And a lot of what I'm having to do is really build engagement on the front end. Say that again. It's really building what? Engagement on on the front end. Yeah. Um, And some of that is the things that we've talked about, right? Like the validating, the matching, the the tuning, um, the pointing out when things are going well, right? Like that's it. You you got it, right? Um, But I guess as I've studied the model, I don't feel like this model is deals a lot with getting engagement with, with, with clients. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a level of engagement when people come in and they're married and they're upper middle class. I just think that there's a different level of engagement when people come into you and say, Hey, we want this help mm-hmm. as opposed to where a lot of people end up going when they say work at a hospital, right. Or work at a, do in-home therapy yeah. and they have to kind of get people to really feel safe with them on the front end. Like, can mm-hmm. you speak to some of that? Is that, am I completely yeah. off in that or is that? No, that I think that makes sense. And then I'm also just thinking, I guess I'm wondering with the population you work with, like how, how are they coming to you? Like what is their buy-in? Um, are they coming to you mandatory or are they coming to you because they want to be there or what, what is the buy-in for the population you're working with? Yeah. So the population that I'm working with now, um, we just do ho- we do housing for homeless youth. Mm-hmm. And so it's required that if they're in the long-term program, they come for five sessions. Okay. Um, and what is the, the buy-in? I mean, there's some programmatic stuff, like they have to come in and they'll yeah. do what they actually do. But, um, and I think that I've been able to build a good relationship because I had experience doing in-home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I, I don't see a lot in the EFT model by itself, which talks about engaging. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. So I would, I was just going to say, I think with the population you're working with, I could see that being pretty difficult because I imagine some of the chaos they're in, but then also like they are kind of required to come. It mm-hmm. sounds like, um, so I think with the population I work with in private practice, usually they're coming in with like a pressing presenting problem. And so the buy-in is there because they're wanting to kind of get out of that pain <laughs> somehow. Um, but I was just thinking about the EFT model with couples. So stage one work. So there are like three stages in EFT. Um, stage one work is de-escalation. Um, and so looking at that with individuals, um, just trying to like apply some of that stuff. Part of it is, um, like assessment, just normal counseling stuff. And part of it is 
rapport building and then even just kind of tracking patterns within people and what they do um, when emotion comes up so that you can track it pretty easily between two people, but you can also do that with individuals too. And so I'm thinking like translating that to individuals, it would be a little bit harder, <laughs> um, but I think there's still a focus on trying to engage with the person, trying to really build that relationship and rapport. And I think when I've worked with people in the past, like, I mean, EFT doesn't address it directly, but I think that's a big piece of what I do is just getting to know them, trying to help them feel safe, trying to connect with them about things that they're interested in, um, that kind of stuff. Because I think until you get some of that, you don't, you're not able to do much without that relationship. Yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And, you know, uh, two of the things that I've learned, first thing is that there's a lot um, of power in time. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we're taught that as therapists. Mm-mm. But I think what happens is when you meet somebody, if they don't want to be your client, but if you spend enough time with them, eventually you become by default an insider. Yes. And then something happens and then they turn to you because you're an insider, right? When you first show yes. up, they don't want to talk with you because you're not an insider. Yes. And then just by the consistency, you become an insider and then something happens and they turn to you. Yes. So I think that is like huge. People didn't say that to me when I was. Yes. It was all like, do this, you know, try this technique, do this. And I'm like, I'm doing that, but nothing's working. Right. They're um, like, they're not, they don't teach you. Just be a human and connect with this person for a while first. Yeah. Well, but see, I think the thing is that they might even say that, but they didn't say it. So I would say, okay, we did that for three sessions, like, but they didn't say, no, like a technique is just showing up and giving, building rapport. Yeah. Yeah. And that eventually just because of how things work, like they will come to trust you because you're familiar. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I guess they didn't make the connection between showing up and how this connects to therapy. It was just, just show up for me a person. And I'm like, Yes. Yeah. Okay. But that doesn't mean anything. Yes. That reminds me, I remember working with a, with a client and um, just had a pretty high level of trauma and mistrust. And I remember an intern sitting in with me mm-hmm. and I remember feeling like, almost like, oh gosh, this intern's going to judge me. Cause we're doing, it feels like we're doing nothing in yeah. session, but all I was doing was r- rapport building. And I, I knew that was valuable for that client. Like I really wanted to make it a safe place for her. And yeah. so a lot of what we were doing was connecting with little nuances, connecting that to emotion or, you know, every, every session, just getting her to just to feel a little bit safer. And I think it was, ended up being worthwhile but it it feels sometimes like you're not doing a whole lot yeah yeah i think that the eft training kind of shows how that is really powerful and i think Mm -hmm. that was such a big um revelation is no it just made the connection between the relationship and the intervention the solution very Mm -hmm. very clear Mm mm-hmm um, and also how to do that. I mean, I remember very clearly, I've told Ryan the story a dozen times, um, having a like a female client in foster care who hated me. And I'd go in and I'd listen and I'd try to be present. And then I realized after the EFT training that I was still facing her. But I didn't oh, know that. Yeah. You had, yeah, you weren't trying to. You were trying just, to listen. Like, I'm listening. I'm being present. Yes. <laughs> you know I mean? yes. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? And it's like, no, because... No one's telling me how to do these things. They're just mm-hmm. saying these things that I think that I'm doing, but I, that I don't know how, and they're not connecting to how that actually helps. Yeah. So. 
So how did you end up adjusting with her? Or what did you do? Um, I think a lot of it was she would say something and I'd be like, yeah, so that made you really angry, right? You know, she's like, yes. And I'm like, man, it must've been really painful. Instead uh-huh. of me being silent and listening yes. and thinking, um, a lot of the reflecting tools that EFT uh-huh. kind of taught me um, yeah. really helped. Yeah. Really were a game changer. Yeah. So being, yeah, being able to tune with the motion out loud, like reflecting to her was yes. less still face. Yeah. Yeah. The tuning to the emotion, the reflecting out, out loud, even some of the just minimal things of like, yeah, yeah, it must have been hard. Yeah. You know, just yes. saying that is a completely different experience than, mm. um, than not. And the strange thing is, is like both of my mentors do a still face. You know, I, I love Dr. Van Rackley. Like that man did my wedding. Aww. And if you talk to him, he does a still face. Yeah. He's got a big old beard that he hides behind. It's hard to not still face behind a beard. Yeah. He also, I mean, his face also just doesn't move. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he, yeah, it's a beard and a still face. And it's like, so the people who I had teaching me just didn't, didn't know. Yeah. I, I, it's so hard. It's so hard to be around people. Sometimes don't even know they're doing it. Like I, I think, no yeah no and it's also strange because i realized that when i do that i am ready to just chill out <laughs> there are plenty of times when i'm doing that partly because i'm tired mm-hmm. there's a part of me that isn't really deeply engaged yeah you notice that coming up when it's not you're not engaged yeah yeah you know and or or yeah or i am engaged when not as not as much as i as i could be mm-hmm. which usually happens when i'm tired yeah, that does happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I have two questions I wanted to really run run by you, uh, and okay. then I want to let Ryan ask any questions that he wants to ask. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Sorry um, for being late. It's no, snowing. you're fine. Sorry I heard it snowing there. It's crazy. Understand. <laughs> um, so I've come to this realization, and I wanted to run it by you. I feel like um, everything is attachment. And I feel like it really is like the, the fourth um, need, right? Like you have a need for like air, right? You have a need for like water, you need for food. Uh, and then after you get past those, you have a need for like, you know, attachment. Yeah. And so what I think therapists really deal with is this, It's not so much a mental illness that is the problem most of the time, but almost like a nutritional deficiency, right? Someone who's suffocating mm-hmm. and can't get enough oxygen. Someone, cause, and I think that the science says this because these are all ways that we regulate our nervous system, mm-hmm. which, is, which is also why when all of these things are stressed, we react in similar ways, right? If you don't let someone sleep, they will get depressed. Yeah. If you don't give people adequate nutrition, they will get depressed and sleep too. Like those are, these are all, I think the the same thing. So kind of like survival needs, like connection is a survival need. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I guess I wanted to run that by you and see what you thought about that. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's right on. So that's what I'm connecting in my head is that I think these things are innate survival needs. And like, even like the research that we listen to in these trainings, like shows that like part of survival, you like need other people to, to live, you know, like even in like animal groups, like a lot of times they need other animals to stay safe. And so I think it's hardwired into us and I think God created it in us. And so I think that's why EFT gives such a clear lens of like, where's pain and dysfunction coming from? Like it's coming from disconnection. And like, I remember, I don't know, somebody in like a group I was talking with the other day was talking about high, high levels of suicide. And they were saying like, well, people, people are just, you know, performing so much and they have such high level jobs and they're working so hard. And I'm like, so in my head, I'm thinking like, that's true. That's a stressor. But as my EFT lens comes out, I'm thinking like, but do they have connection in that stress? Like, are they able to talk with people about that? Are they able to find comfort with others? Like the people that are committing suicide, the people that are shooting in schools, like they are missing out of connection. Like they don't have the people in their life to feel safe with. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. I think, um, and like, I think for me, part of the crazy thing was when I finally realized that like, that's not a metaphor. Like it is, it's not a metaphor that you need oxygen to, to, to live and to regulate your, your body. Yeah. Not a metaphor that, that, that you need water. And it's not a metaphor that you need attack, that you need to have a secure attachment. That yes. you need to have other people. Like those are real, like real needs. Um, not metaphorical needs. Yes. Yeah. It's a different level of need. Like how, how much less shaming would that be if we as a country could be like, Oh, and this is the fourth need. Like you just need connection. Yeah. Like if, if mental health kind of started to adapt to that, I feel like I, there would be, I feel like it would be different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're on the same page. Good to know I'm going in the right direction. You are on the right direction. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I've told Ryan this, but it's like crazy how much people invalidate each other. Like it's like rampant. Like constant. Yeah. It really is a constant sort of thing. Even when we're trying to be helpful. Yes. You know, like even in those moments, we're just like, eh. I think mostly when we're trying to be helpful is when we invalidate people, honestly. Because you're you're like in your own pain in those moments, so then you just try to try to come up with something to help, and usually it just makes it worse. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I um, I had I heard, I heard bad news that a friend of mine's dying. She has cancer. Oh. And uh, my friend who told me, I was like, yeah, I was talking to her daughter, and her daughter just feels guilty. And I told her, you know, don't feel guilty. You don't have any reason to feel guilty. And I was like, <sighs> and I know my friend is just trying to help. Right, you know? right. She wants to alleviate some of that guilt. But I think it came off as just this huge invalidation of, yeah. no, my mom is dying right now. Right, you know? right. Oh, I always just wince when I hear that. And and they're not, it's coming from good intentions. Like she really, she feels with her. She wants to make her feel better, but... Yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. So my second question is, um, have you ever heard of people using this approach in um, 
I don't know, different sorts of ways, right? Like, I, like I could imagine, like you would never use an, an EFT approach with a man who's abusing a female, a, a woman, his wife, right? It's not emotionally safe. But have you heard it being used so like maybe him and his brother come in? Mm-hmm. Um, which might be more safe, right? Have you have you heard it used in that sort of way? Like you're as like a couple, but you're not doing like marital work. So just are you talking like EFT with families? Um, EFT with families, but families where the kids are adults, right? And so maybe you're doing like two siblings. Mm-hmm. So you, maybe you have a a lady who's coming in, and you say, okay, bring in your sister. Or yeah. you have a you have a, a son who's coming in, and son's thirty. You say, bring in your bring in your uh, father. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I just referred an individual client I had the other day to go do some work with. She's an adult, like in her thirties, with her mom, you know, and um, and I referred him to Lisa Alexander because she's awesome at EFT. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a doozy of a case. I gave it to Lisa. No, um, <laughs> lo- lo- no, love the client so much. I just know they have a hard cycle. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's any dyad um, that you can help track the, you know, the pattern that's getting them stuck, like, and then, uh, help them be able to talk more vulnerably with each other, um, to create some connection. I think it works beautifully with any dyad. So. And do you do much of that in your own work or? Um, I I think I've done a little bit parent child stuff before. Um, but I, I think I see, I mean, mostly individuals and couples. So I haven't, I haven't had a ton of family work. Um, yeah, but I've I've gone to the EFT with families training, and it looks really great in live sessions. <laughs> As everything does. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when Gail Palmer, the yeah. other founder of EFT, is doing work, you're just in awe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. When you can do magic, I guess it's all easy. It does. It it does look like magic. Yeah. 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 Um. Hmm. Makes me think. Have you seen Sue work? I've only ever seen videos of Sue. I've never really seen much of her work, which is funny. I feel like I should see more of Sue, but mostly I've seen the people we have as trainers, George, uh, Kenny, yeah. Gail. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Hmm. Jim Furrow. We just had Jim the other day. I don't know if you know. Yeah, he's the like spirituality guy, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. I think he, um, did he, he uh, he's written several books. I think he wrote EFT for dummies is the one I'm thinking of recently, but yeah, he worked at Fuller for a while. Yeah. That's a cool school, man. Fuller's website. Yeah. yeah. What do you, have you, have you ever looked at the works of like Virginia Satir or Milton Erickson? Only in school. I haven't really gone back to see them very much. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Studied them some. Yeah. I think part of my interest with Milton Erickson is that he really shows what's what's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, he has some really just crazy sort of um, seemingly crazy stories. They make a lot of sense mm-hmm. if you understand the context. Um, and I think sometimes in my own work, knowing the EFT stuff and then knowing the Ericksonian stuff, um, I'm always wondering what's possible. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I believe EFT is a very, very powerful model. I think it makes a lot of sense. And there's also this part of me that goes, okay, but what's, what's just beyond this, you know, what's, what's the next step? Um, when you, when you're, do you ever think that, do you ever go into that place and go, man, what's beyond this? Or are you more, let me drill down into this model and really get this, this approach down. Sometimes I think I've been so inundated with EFT that I wonder, um, what like what are some things I'm missing because you can focus in on something so much um that you kind of you don't see the the other pieces um but I also think EFT includes so many other models in it that I I don't know that I'm missing out um like I don't feel like there's like this other big thing that I need to be looking for sometimes I'm like interested in EMDR because I have some people at our uh clinic that that do that and I think that's also an effective tool um but no I I think it just lines up so much with what I believe about people that at this point I haven't been like what's the next thing yeah yeah a lot of people do and I've heard um a few of your trainers and supervisors basically say if you do EFT you don't need EMDR Mm -hmm. which I'm not sure how I feel about that I'm not either. I'm not well versed enough in EMDR to really to really know. But I did ask Ryan that one time because I was curious too, and he kind of was saying like, "What we're doing in EFT is helping people put words to pain, which is still kind of a left brain, right brain connecting thing, um, which is part of what they're trying to do in EMDR." But when I sat in on some EMDR sessions with another um, clinician at our um, counseling center, I think sometimes there's just a more clear map for working with individuals with trauma specifically, Mm -hmm. like what's, you know, what's a good next question to help them continue to walk into this. Whereas I think sometimes in EFT with individuals, like we're really trained how to take people deeper into emotion. But like you said, sometimes like the buy-in for that or the initial, um, like people are scared of emotion. Like it's, it's hard to go there in those ways and emdr seems like it has a way of kind of bypassing some of that i don't know if that makes sense no i think that you're right i think you know the client that i'm working with now um i have a guy who i couldn't see him for about a month because every time i saw him i had to commit him to to the hospital oh yeah Um, and so when he came out this last time i said to him look we gotta do it's basically some safe space building right which yeah. is straight out of the emdr playbook and um we do that every session and his self-rated anxiety has dropped every time mm-hmm. um he's now like at a two right out of on yeah. his anxiety scale and i'm like yeah. i mean i think this is resource building so that we can do some of that emotional stuff because if we For do that sure. now he's going to flip out because he doesn't know how to Right, right. How to handle it. Um, I think, oh, go ahead. So, and I, I mean, I think that there's, and I, I guess that for me, the difference is EMDR or EFT rather tries to create that safe space by validating and making the client's world make sense. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's still too analytical. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you can work hypnotically, 
your body has this implicit experience of, oh, it's safe to feel this. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I think I told Ryan this the first time that he came in and we got to actually do work. I asked him to increase his anxiety just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the thinking is that implies that your anxiety can change. Mm-hmm. And it also implies that if it goes up a little bit, you can handle it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he came in and it was like two points lower the next day. And then, it's, you know, and then he's out of two. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of that is said. It's all implicit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, we're also, we do that at the end of the session. And so the front of the session, we do other stuff. But I think it's, I think that that's really, really powerful. I think that's the other part of me that is a little hesitant about the model. Mm-hmm. EFTs. I've, sometimes I feel like it's just too cognitive. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always asking you to think about this. I'm asking you what's that, what, 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 what that is like instead of um, evoking an experience, which EFT does. Which I think what you're saying is it's hard to initially get them into the emotional experience, right? Because like EFT is saying we actually, it's an experiential model. So we want you in the experience in order to have a corrective emotional experience in order to find comfort in that place and to change. So we're looking for them to get into the experience. But sometimes I think what you're talking about is getting them into that is hard. Sometimes they just, it's at a cognitive level. Is that kind of part of what you're saying? Yes. Yes. I think that that is a huge part of what I'm saying. I think that's very true at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then because I think that's true, I also, and because I've seen, so like with, with, with this guy, he's saying that he can't, like I would ask him like, man, what's, what's going on for you? He was like, oh, I don't know. So then I go, man, what's the like to not know, right? And then he goes to content and then he says, I can, like, I draw out my feelings. So then I'm like, dude, let's draw it out. Yeah. And then, and then it's there, right? Yeah. Um, and I think I could see a lot of, when I was at the training, I saw a lot of EFT therapists wanting to always say, they're always saying, man, can you talk about that? What's that like? And then I would hear clients say, well, I'll listen to this song. And I'm like, play the freaking song. Play the right. freaking song. Yeah. And that will get you where you need to go. Yeah. But you're trying I, to, you know, talk them into the experience, which they can't yeah. do that. I think I think you're on the right track, though, as long as you're evoking an emotional experience, like there's probably creative ways you can do that with different populations. You know, sometimes cognitively isn't going to be the way to go with certain populations. Um, yeah. So I, I think ultimately you're wanting them in the experience, but I think that that even takes time too. And then I think it takes time to learn as a therapist. So I think like when I first started EFT, like I was talking about it and I wasn't always helping clients be in it experientially. And I think over time I've gotten better at learning how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm probably um, where you were, where I'm better at talking about it. And because I've had the more experience, not more experience, but the more, um, the less talking stuff has been my, my background. It's easier for me to say, let's just draw this picture. Yeah. And then you get into this place where you feel like this thing is haunting you. Yes. And what, and what is that like? Cause that's what the picture yes. is, right? Like, right. Okay. Um, so I think that's also part of my own biases. Mm-hmm. Wanting 
being stuck and talking about it and knowing that I can just go for this other sort of creative sort of deal. Yeah. But I think that's kind of cool to bring in like who you are as a therapist. So that's part of you though, too. So like if you're bringing that, I feel like that's a genuine way to walk them into their experience. I don't think that would be like not an EFT move. I think anything that helps evoke an emotion or experience is part of heightening and all those different things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ryan, dude, did you have any questions? I see you. Yeah. Yeah. I got gears turning. So maybe I'll formulate one of those questions more fully. Um, I guess where I'm at, uh, so it sounds like you've gotten training. Where are you at in like the process of all of that? Yeah. So I've been through um, all the trainings and I have the blessing of Jordan's laughing. I have the blessing of getting to go to um, the trainings kind of over and over again. Cause I also help out administratively and help okay. facilitate, help facilitate some of them. So I've been through them about three or four times now. Um, yeah. So I'm laughing because I think that Katie is like in the perfect position. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> really? I really think so. And I, I mean, that's probably hard to hear. But I think that because you're in the struggle, you're not cut off, right? Like I look at someone like Ryan Reyna and I'm like, bruh, like you're, you're, you're too far out of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you feel know? like I'm in the middle of it still. Yeah. Yeah. But you're also ahead of me. So you get it but yeah. you can also lead the way. That's why yeah. I love talking to you about this stuff. Like, well, thanks, Jordan. I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it, it is hard, like, to really walk out. Yeah. It seems really good in theory, and it does work really well, but you hit blocks, and you got to talk about it, and you need to be in community with other EFT people. Yeah, yeah so what, I guess, what is, um, what was one of the big shifts for you whenever you started diving into EFT? Mm-hmm. So I feel like on a podcast like this, I should answer professionally, but honestly, the biggest shift was for me was personally. Like I think going to the first externship training, um, they, they talk so much about having good reasons for why you behave and, and do the things that you do that um, I just felt kind of like grace wash over me for the mar- my marriage, for the way that I am with family members and relationships. Like, so I think for me, I just f- felt like some space for myself. Like, oh, I understand a little more why I do what I do. Uh, not crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what drew you to it? Cause I mean, I'm, I'm initially, I'm in the phase where I am drawn to it. I want to get training and I've started to do reading, yes. um, but I haven't actually like gone to anything. Like I've, yes. I've read, like read, hold me tight halfway through love since. Yes. Uh, so what was like the final thing that like clicked for you that just sent you Mm -hmm. to the training? Yeah. Well, I think my boss, he's just, he's so all all about EFT. So I think really it it was part of how he saw the world, like the attachment lens that he had. Um, and I, and I think as we're like, as Jordan was talking about it being like this, this survival need, like. I feel like that's that's the piece that 
just made sense for why people were doing what they were doing or why they were in pain or dysfunction. It's like they were not able to articulate their emotional world very well in a vulnerable way to another person in order to receive that comfort. Like there were blocks there. And, and so I feel like that connection piece was, was what an attachment piece was what initially kind of got drew me in. But if you go to an externship, it's so much different than reading the material. So I'm like, Oh now I really want Ryan to be able to go to an externship because I think that's what sealed it for me is you just, you experience the model, you experience the grace. And so, yeah, I think that that was the big thing for me. Okay. Yeah. And then what would you say, uh, Yeah, I'm still formulating some of my questions. Yeah, that's um, fine. Yeah. While you're while you're formulating, I think the other big thing that I loved and drew me in was the concept of pursuer and withdrawer. Um, mm-hmm. Do you did you read much about that? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's probably all over the EFT yeah. literature. But I think um, I don't know if I love personality stuff, but I feel like withdrawer and pursuer as ways of handling pain as survival ways of um, dealing with pain made sense to me and made sense with the relationships that I knew and been in. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So here's my, here's my half formulated question, I guess. Yeah. So for someone who is looking like I have these ideas in very like not nailed down nebulous ways about, attachment and all of that stuff from the reading um and i kind of have some time restrictions as far as just like when i can go to trainings and stuff Mm -hmm. like that what are what would you say are like the important things for someone in my position coming from someone who knows what you know who has the experience you have what would be some things that you would say hey, pay attention to this in yourself as a therapist or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So like when you're doing therapy, what would you pay attention to in the client or what would you pay attention to in yourself or both? Both. Yeah. 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 Um, So I think I'll start with the client. So um, I think right off the bat, usually when I'm starting to see clients, we do an attachment history. Um, and those, I think Jordan probably even has maybe a copy of that questionnaire. Um, I've lost my copy. Can you send me one? <laughs> sure. If you email me a reminder. <laughs> I will. I will. Okay. Um, but I think that's another thing that really drew me in asking questions like, um, when you were little and you were hurting, um, what did you do? The best you know, question in the world. It is. What did you do? Could you talk to someone about that? Um, what what was their response? Um, I think that just tells you so much from an, from an attachment lens about, (laughs) about people. And then, you know, a little bit about their emotional world. How could you tell if mom or dad was angry, sad, blah, blah, blah. So all of that to say, I think like getting a bit of a history on what, um, their experience has been with connection, what their experience has been with Um, comfort, what their experience has been with bonding, um, what their experience has been with emotion. Um, And then from there, you're really paying attention to the client's emotional experience. You're trying to tune in to how are they experiencing emotion? How are they able to um, verbalize that? 
what blocks do they have in being able to talk about their emotion and what blocks do they have in being able to receive comfort? Um, yeah. So some of, some of those, some of those things. So I'm always kind of looking for, um, what's, what's blocking them up and then how do I as therapists kind of help them to, to put words to their emotions to see that. And then also how do I come in and, and meet them in that place and provide kind of like a surrogate attachment figure and comfort in places that they didn't receive as a kiddo. Okay. So we got about four minutes left. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That went by quick. Eyes when you're having fun, man. I know. Ties with Katie just fly. <laughs> <laughs> Katie just fly. Yeah. Um, and I just love what you're saying. That the questionnaire, I mean, I think I started asking that question. It's almost one of those questions that like, uh, what, what happened when, I think, I, I think I would usually say something like, you know, what would happen when you were little and you got hurt? And they would always say, what do you mean? And I'd go, well, so that you fell down and skinned your knee or something. Yeah. What would happen? And they give you all this information that they don't know is like so important, you know? Right, right. It's, it's it is like pretty such an innocent question, but it's a killer, man. It's a killer. It is. It is. And as you like flesh it out, you're like, okay. And you kind of know what you're getting yourself into mm-hmm. too. So like I have a lot of clients and I, I do this with premaritals a lot too. Like I have them mm. do the attachment history together and it's really interesting. They get to kind of hear each other's answers. Um, but also like I have times where I say like, um, how did you reach out for connection or, or comfort? And they both kind of look like, I don't, I don't think I ever reached out for that. And so, you know, or I don't, I think I always took care of myself in places of pain. And so, you know, okay, like this marriage, we're going to have to really do some rewiring here because, you know, you're up against it. You're not going to be turning towards each other in moments of pain, which is where the bonding happens. And so if you're not doing that, there's going to be some issues. Yeah. Mm. So good. Well, we'll have to have you back on again. Yeah, I'm for sure. I'd love a real podcast. <laughs> yeah. Would you? Yeah. Yes, love to be love to be back. It's fun. I like to talk EFT anytime, so it's one yeah. of my favorite things. I've got a few questions. I'll be sending you an email tomorrow, probably. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Help me out with this thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any I've, closing closing, oh, closing words for us? I was just going to say I've been really blessed to be around a lot of great EFT minds. So like most of what I glean is from Ryan's and from all the trainers that I've just been like, it's been an honor to get to be around them. So um, yeah, so I'm glad to get to like pass some of that on. And and I think it's just like, I'm always still in process. So the reason I love to talk about this stuff is because it helps my process. Like I'm still learning and growing as a therapist. And so I enjoy the talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And Ryan should go to an externship. He should come to the one in July in Arkansas. It's the best one. <laughs> Good to know. You're yes. actually you're actually in because you're at the Joshua Center, is that what I'm gathering? Yes. Yeah. You're actually like forty five minutes from where I grew up. Oh really? Where'd you grow up? Bella Vista. Bella Vista, yep. We are very close to Bella Vista. So you can come stay with family, come to the yeah. externship, have a great experience. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan's laughing. It is worth your time. It changes yeah. it changes a lot for you when you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking into it. I wanna do I wanna do the externship. Hopefully at some point this year I've just got 
couple exams I need to pass before I shell out money. I know. That's the other part. It is hard to do the money piece. But if you're still in school, you get a student discount. So for all of you listening. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, that's it. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye.